0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Today, I am joined by my associate head coach, Dan Burke, from Victor, New York. And we are thrilled today to have our guest, Coach Brian Barnes, from NC State, joining us today on the program. NC State, one of the hottest programs in the NCAA over the last five years. Brian has extensive experience from many different collegiate posts that he's been at, as well as coaching at the club level. And today we're going to talk about cultivating a culture of positivity, developing a team culture that is geared towards long-term and short-term success. And Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, I was talking to Coach Brett Hawk over the weekend, um, and I said, I know you worked with Brian a little bit. Tell me a little bit about Coach Barnes. Tell me some things I might not know. And this was all through text message, and Brett called me. And he said, listen, man, actually, he said, listen, mate, I'm <laughs> going to tell you that Brian gave me the best education I could have had going into college coaching. He's like, we shared an office together. I watched everything he did. I watched the way he talked on the phone. I watched the way he talked to the athletes. So Brett Hawk gave you one of the the, the best reviews that uh one of your coaches could possibly give you and I and I wanted to kick off the program that way because I know you you'd be happy to hear that well that's it's kind of Brett
1: uh we we had we had a lot of fun um when we were we we were two two years together at Auburn he tried to pick me off a couple times uh after I left but it it just was never in the cards um you know he's uh, a terrific, uh, person, terrific coach. And, and it was, we just had a blast working together and it was always centered around swimming. Right. Uh, that was the fun part. Yeah. What are you thinking? You know, he would write something up. What do you think of this? What do you, you know, and we just share ideas and, and, or swap athletes on any particular day, whatever it came down to, but it, it was, it's very kind of him to say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a
0: little bit humbled hearing that from him. Well, I'm glad I had the opportunity to share that with you. And when Dan and I were thinking about you know, who we want to have as a guest, we had talked about you for a long time. You've been a part of a lot of different programs that have had great championship culture. You just talked about Auburn a little bit, and you were able to work there with both Coach Marsh and with Coach Quick. I got to meet Coach Quick at the end of his tenure at Stanford. I went to Stanford Swim Camp as a volunteer assistant coach and and got to learn a lot there. Um, But that championship culture at Auburn during the time that you were there, it was just a dominating program at the time. Not only in the sprints, people get wrapped up in that, but there were some top-notch athletes across the board in every event. What is something special that both Coach Marsh and Coach Quick brought to the table in terms of developing a culture where everyone was important as anyone? That was something that I remember Richard saying a lot at Stanford.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The, I mean, you can't really compare and contrast them, right? Because they're both extraordinary coaches. Um, I always, uh, you know, David, when when he hired me, Uh, I always say I caught them in the gravy years right I didn't catch David I mean I was part I think of four of his 12 that he won and including his last collegiate win in his last meet as a collegiate coach Um, and for him I'm just moved that I was a part of that effort to send him out the way he went out collegiately uh, he had an enormous ability to read a situation, and his instincts were spot on. You couldn't, you couldn't. Um, he would trust your judgment, but you, when it when it was a hot topic, whether it was a relay or the order of a relay or participate, you know, or a conference team or whatever, his instincts were tremendous. Uh, and his ability to see the big picture, right, The uh, of the program, um, you know, I learned he understood how to get people qualified for that meet, and it wasn't just about the conference meet, it was anywhere you can do it. You know, I can remember my second year there, there was people we didn't even take to the conference meet that went to the NCAAs, and, and it was by choice right? Uh, because our best conference meet or team was better or different than our best NCAA team. And he just understood the big picture. Um, he, uh, and he allowed his coaches as a coach, uh, which was terrific. Uh, Richard, I always say, if you were on deck with Richard Quick, you're coaching for second place. And it, it, he, he just knew exactly what to do. Um, uh, on any given day, he rarely, you know, you never he never pulled out a weekly plan, uh, and he believed, he believed, uh, and he was convincing. Uh, it, it was uh, he he didn't settle for anything less than excellence. Uh, I mean, and you look at his his whole recruiting career at Stanford, and and mind you, it is Stanford, but you know, if it was the number one recruit in the country, he went out and he got Jenny Thompson and he got Janet Evans and he got Summer Sanders. He, right. He was, uh, extraordinary, uh, in the living room and, uh, extraordinary, uh, I mean, he backed it up. I mean, there's just no way. He was six time Olympic co- coach, four time, uh, head coach and, and usually when he led those teams, they came home with a large metal hall. And so it, it was uh, the similarity, I would say, is probably more personal, meaning they were genuine. Uh, they're both, David's a kind person, genuine person. He, he is in it for the right reasons. It, it was never about David. It was never about Richard it was always about the athlete. You, you, you glean a lot as an assistant coach from their behavior. And uh, yeah, I, I'm at times I do have a pinch me moment when I look at, you know, look who I've worked with and who I'm working with now. And one of the things I noticed about NC State when I first got here was, um, you know, Coach Holloway and his organization. And I, I can remember saying to myself, "This is going to be real fun because it's Richard Quick hard." <laughs> Meaning, um, challenging is the best way to say it. You know, the the expectation is set, and the, the and it's it's all an application. Um, you know, how we what we see and how we apply what we know,
0: uh, and everything has a purpose. No, it's pretty cool. You know, you mentioned so many times in in talking about those two coaches relationships, right? And I think right now uh, from a social media standpoint and from just a societal standpoint, when we watch a television show like Ted Lasso and we see this character developing these relationships with all of these athletes, that's what I'm hearing you say about both David and both Richard you mentioned something about Richard saying, you know, he believed and there's a famous sign in Ted Lasso right above the office that says believe. And I remember Richard saying at swim camp, believe in belief. And that's a a famous quote that I know he used to say a lot.
1: He said it, and I don't know when you went to camp with him, but he said, believe in belief over and over. And it's, it's true. Uh, I mean, it it is you you. Uh, it, he he taught me just how to be convincing, uh, right? Uh, I always say, you know, when we talk about culture and talk about energy and things like that, I often say, you know, I'm never gonna if I'm working with an athlete, uh, I'm never gonna tell you something you can't do, right? And and I really sincerely believe it if it's coming out of my mouth. I really I believe it. Now, you have to convince the athlete. Yeah. You know, if I and sometimes it's grandiose, yeah, you know, but how do you get it somebody from 59-2 to 579 on a breaststroke? Right? right. Well, we you gotta plant the seed and you have to start there. I it, it, trust is time spent, and it's the foundation of uh Really, it's the foundation of what I've learned here so far. Uh, what we do, uh, we spend time. We take the time. Uh, we set up meetings. We talk to the athletes, and 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 it doesn't even need to be. It could be five minutes after de- uh, after practice. You know, just checking in. Where are you? How's things going? You know, and and understanding where they are in their lives, and and making it about them. You know, and once you get them to the trust, I it. <laughs> My first year uh, here, I often, you know, I often say, you know, "Just get them on the porch and don't make any big movements, right?" Or they'll scatter. As athletes, you know, you don't want to come on too strong, but ultimately, it's it's a path, right? You know, and it's all based on evidence. If I if you can see something in the water, then you're like, okay. As a coach, you have to have an imagination for them
0: to have an imagination. I believe that. Yeah. And it's. I love it. I love it. You know, when you first got the job there, I was on a meeting with Coach Wadley and Braden. And Braden was saying, I- I've learned so much in the first week that Brian Barnes has been on our pool deck. And how did you, coming from a different place, How did you ingratiate yourself to that NC State culture? Because one of the things that I appreciated both as a coach and as the stepfather and of of an athlete who swam there was that it seemed like they were having fun all the time. It seemed like they were having fun on the tough days. And I know that's not the whole picture, but that's kind of what resonates there at NC State is it looks like you guys are having fun all the time coach Bernardino would text me some things that the athlete was doing really, really well. You have great connections with these club coaches. How did you insert yourself into this culture?
1: Well, it wasn't difficult, right? Uh, The, if, if, you know, if you, I don't know, I don't know what my former athletes would say about me, but I would, I would say fun has been always, always has been a key ingredient to what I do. Uh, And it's, it's, it's just, once again, it's just building that trust. If they get to know you a little bit as a person, you know, they don't need to know you personally, but they just don't, if they get to know who you are, where your heart really lies, then they'll do anything for you. And, and uh, yeah, there's, there's days when um, it's almost too much fun. If it's a recovery workout uh, and I've done it for years, I, I, I bring in like a little, child's toy and I, I did it last week we did a recovery and and i had this little batman that was just floating around the pool and every time they would stop they would look around for it was it's just it's silly but it's it was something or or i wrote the workout on basically a piece of paper that was the size of a postage stamp here you go this is the smallest workout i've ever written and it's corny but it, it just any i think it's very important to understand the stress that they are under and where they are in their lives, you know, because it's important. Their schoolwork's important. Their performance uh, in the pool is important to them. And they're, you know, the the undertone is teaching work ethic and attitude and, and divorcing yourself from results and engaging in who you are, uh, getting them to understand how I evaluated it, uh, how this is, and I, I ran through it this morning. We, you know, we, you know, it's January. We just had people all over the world, right? People at world champs. We had people, uh, young lady Gamano. And so we're just kind of scattered and it's all gonna come together because every season's messy, but I, uh, you know, my conversation with one of my athletes was, if we can get you to I, to focus on your motivation, your work ethic, your approach and your attitude all through this very hard workout and divorce yourself from what your times are today, then I will know exactly where you are. But if we're wrapped up and this isn't going well and you know, and you let it nosedive, if you let go of why you, how you got here, right and you get here because you're fast you got here because you work your butt off and and it's just those things that ultimately you know then they believe right they you
0: get them to that point boy Dan we could uh we could get coach Barnes on deck for a day or two couldn't we (laughs) that's what I was just gonna say I I know a lot of people that could use those words Uh, Brian, we're getting through some of the, the toughest training, as we mentioned to you in pre production right now. We're excited about where this group is headed, but, but certainly you, you mentioned some things that uh, I think are important touchstones for especially the young coaches who are, are learning, like Dan and, and many others to come. Uh, you talked about the fact that the athletes are doing some really challenging things, whether it's in the pool, in the classroom growing as an adult, living on their own for the first time. One of the things that's been talked about a lot in coaching circles is the uniqueness of the NC State training schedule. And I know that one of the things that Michaela especially appreciated as a student athlete was the Wednesday off. Uh, Talk about the Wednesday afternoon off and how Braden is really aware of a lot of those things that you mentioned and why that's important to your team culture. Uh, It's
1: you know, rest and recovery. It's one of the things that attracted me, uh, you know, when I, when I was uh, interviewing, you know, my, um, I looked at it through the lens of my personal life. Uh, I have two kids. What time is practice over? And so I got that, you know, um, and then um, so it, so he we went through the schedule. And immediately when he said that, set the schedule: Wednesday, Wednesday morning off, Thursday morning off, or Wednesday night off, Thursday morning off. Um, I'm like, okay, this is a recovery-based team. Uh, Because my core belief is, if it's worth doing once, it's worth doing twice. That's a Richard Quick. If it's worth doing once a week, it's worth doing twice a week, right? I mean, you have to. You can't. You know, some things I do every ten days. You know, it depends on what it is, but. And so there you are, recovery on Wednesday night, recovery on Thursday morning. That's a full 36 hours before we're going to be good on Wednesday. Now I could push you on Wednesday morning, you know, on the fifth workout of the week, and I could push you on Thursday night, you know, with knowing, knowing what's going on. And sometimes, uh, sometimes those workouts Ultimately, and we're getting close, where we will add those as good. either a Wednesday morning or a Thursday night. I know some people are going to recover tomorrow night too, but we'll swim. Um, I all, all also believe that it's very hard to recover the same day you're in the weight room, right? And so you could recover after. So we lift in the morning on a Wednesday, and we're recovering all the way through Thursday PM. So it's about thirty-six hours. And your muscles need to repair. You just need to repair, and it's just it's it's a it's been a belief of mine, and I think you know a lot of it is uh, centered around uh, when did we compete? We compete Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the ACCs and the NCAA's, and and you know Wednesday night too. You know, we'll be good on Wednesday night usually are but the yeah it, it's it's ultimately the, the other thing that attracted me is just about performance it's not necessarily about what we're doing it's about getting them to perform I haven't counted volume I don't even I don't every now and then I'll add it up but like just to make sure it's just
0: not too far <laughs> yeah right One of the things that I think is so unique about your culture there too, is I think a lot of people initially would look at the NC State program over the last several years and think to themselves, wow, really strong in the sprints. But, you know, over the last four or five years, you've had three women go one, two, three in the mile at the ACC championships. You have one of the most dynamic 400 IM groups in the country year after year. You have the Mark Bernardino piece. You have the Brian Barnes piece. You have the Braden Holloway piece. It's a complete program, top to bottom. What does that look like in the staff meetings when you're talking about recruiting? When you're talking about bringing in the type of character people that you want to contribute to the culture? I mean, it's just. I can't. I can't say that it's real formal.
1: It's just all in conversation, right? Um we are diligent about it. Nobody goes recruited unless all eyes have seen them. You know, we went up, we went up in pairs uh to junior nationals to recruit. I think uh we had three coaches there on the final night. And and but it's just all in agreement, right? And it's a patient process. It's got to be so patient for Braden because he's got all this input. Um, Dan Kolupsky too. I mean, he's he's in there too. Um, he he's just he's quietly one of the one of the best coaches around. I mean, he's really good. He's got a future. But the the you know cultivating that conversation is the critical thing. It's it's not necessarily or and even having the argument. You need to have the argument. You can't have a solution without an argument and it's done in a safe way uh, and it's it's really um you know if somebody's excited about somebody then we all need to be excited about that person and and you know and sometimes it's a swing and a miss <laughs> and you know if you're talking recruiting but most of the time it's we're all in a, all in agreement um so it, it it's not necessarily messy, but it's just a little chaotic, I would say, because it's, there's so, there's opinions, right? But we leave the room or we leave every meeting unified. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, I value all the coaches here, all their, all the input that I can get. It's, it's, it's fun. You just don't. There are many times I, if I'm I'll write a workout. Uh, then I'll see what you know. Brayden's doing. I'm mean, I like that. You know, sometimes the workouts get written on by you know by themselves or um, you know it's just there's so many so much sharing that happens. You know, it's just a just identifying the best uh, way to use the resources that we have as a coach and setting ego aside really i mean that's 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 where you are with experience you know mark and and myself and and braden i mean you yeah
0: it's it- it looks like it's super fun on the pool deck, and especially at meets. I mean, the enthusiasm that that Braden has, he he brings really an unparalleled enthusiasm to to practice in meets. Has that been fun for you to be a part of? And
1: absolutely it's the only way I've coached. It's the only only way I've coached. it's it's uh, like you said, it's the similarities um, you know the, the the being around a championship program or or a program that have won both men's and women's in the same year. Um, it was hard to ignore it. It was hard to ignore. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I get an offer here, it's going to be very hard to ignore because it's something I was familiar with, and I understood it, and I understood, you know, the approach, and yeah, it can't be it's a hands-on deck. I mean, it's, if you're, if you're in the water, you're getting coached. It doesn't matter who you are, you're getting
0: coached and, and you're getting coached well. It's been fun to watch and fun to be a peripheral part of, to see it, uh, you know, manifest over the last couple of years. Um, one of our good friends, Dan and I's good friends is TJ Day. He's the head coach of Star Swimming in Buffalo. And, Knows you from the Purdue days, and he said, "You know, one of the things about Brian Barnes, Mike, is he has one of the strongest value systems of any person I've ever met. Not any coach I've ever met." And he said, "You have one of the strongest value systems of any person he's ever met." Talk to us about what your values are and, and how you incorporate them in your in your coaching, and, and what that means to the culture and the group.
1: Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great question. The I mean, we're all a function of what we value, right? Uh, and I could tie it in technically, if you value finishes, you know, I, I've been talking about getting our hand to the wall for the last 12 days um, and, and, and how we do it. So if it's, it's a, if it's a regular topic, it's what you value. I, if I say it more than once, then I really believe it. I, it's, it's, I even have said that to athletes. Um, the, you know, but then at the end of the day, it's just, I value, you know, as you know, this sport is so interesting because you could have an American record in the same heat as you have an athlete, just bomb, right. And how do you handle that emotion as a coach? Uh, how you can't live in the highs in our profession and you can't live in the lows, And in a weird way, I enjoy it all, right? Not in a weird way, I do enjoy it all. I enjoy the process of teaching it and and sharing my experience and the the challenge of, okay, well, you have an unprecedented swim. What do you do now, right? Well, you celebrate, (laughs) you know, and don't get me wrong. Those are far more fun. And I do, but... At the same time, you can't live there because it's not who you are. You know, I'll never, I, I would not want to be identified, tagged to any one swim or one swimmer ever. You know, I would like, I don't know, I, I would like to be tagged to somebody who just had a passion for what they do and love what they do and enjoy what they do no matter what. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I value hard work. Uh, I mean, it's work works. It does, and it's not. <laughs> I always say it's not rocket surgery, right? <laughs> and come the combination of brain surgery and rocket science. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's just best to keep it simple, and I think it's it's more about you know getting convincing convincing athletes that they could do something that they they don't see yet yeah but as a as a coach with the experience you know okay i've been here before
0: yeah and it tricky. Triggered- go ahead we, we've had all those athletes in our programs even even in our our careers that might not have been as long or as extensive as yours where you see that incredible talent you see that uh that an athlete is different And what their capability is, but maybe from a self-efficacy, self-efficacy standpoint, or from a self-confidence standpoint, they're not ready yet to believe. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you do as a staff when you encounter an athlete like that? Give us a few tips for our younger coaches as they start to, you know, develop in their careers. They have that super talented athlete who's not yet ready to maybe take that hard work step or to risk going out really fast or to risk challenging themselves every day? They're just not at that step yet. How do we help them get there?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I would, you know, as a staff, I, that would, you know, Mark's Mark and Dan, they're going to handle those situations differently. Right. Uh, but they will be savvy about it. Braden is the same thing. Um, it, it's not, like I said earlier, every season's messy. Right, but the great teams come together at the right moments. And um, but I do, I I could, I could share an experience from just last night. And I will tell you that every every coach here tailors their workouts. Right, I mean, there are some days when I'm like, Braden, you've written five workouts, you have so many plans going on. You know, like it's so organized. And he, and he's so good, good at it. And I, and I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I might write one or two, but I also like last night, I, we, we were about to get in the water and I knew that it wasn't a night that we were going to really go, but I just wanted them to swim and be long and have good technique and call it aerobic recovery. Uh, we did an underwater kick set, which, which I do, uh, which we could talk about you were asking that question earlier. Um, uh, but it wasn't real threatening. The workout wasn't real th- threatening, it's challenging, right? It's just challenge versus threat, right? Um, the, the it wasn't a real challenging workout, but it was I thought it was something that we needed to do. Just and uh, but there was one workout, and I was staring at. I think I had twelve in front of me, and I just said, "Have you ever played in a jazz band?" <laughs> you know, because I actually be patient here because I am going to come at you with you do it this way. You do it this way. You try this. Okay. Um, you're going to go weak stroke today, right? I don't want you to take a, a kick of breaststroke. I said that to all the breast right? You, once again, recover the legs. We did 200 breaststroke on uh, Monday. We, we don't need to, you know, we're getting to the point where the more space I can give them between their performance breaststrokes, the better. Uh, you have to recover their lights because they won't have them. You want them to have them, but the, you know, so it's just a little bit more of, um, you know, tailoring to individual needs and writing specific workouts for certain people. Um, sometimes I I often like a, maybe a conflict or I can't, you know, I have a class conflict. I got to come in at 11. Okay. Well, that means I don't need two hours. I only need an hour and a half with you You because they run slower in larger groups. Right. And it's, you know, shoot, whenever it's one-on-one it's not going to be easy. You're going to be, every stroke is going to be seen. And, and, but the, you know getting them to the the belief in work ethic the belief in yeah it 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 takes time you know it they all they all cook at different rates right they all cook at different speeds and 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 sometimes they come in thinking they know what work ethic is and then they're then they see what's around them they're like oh my goodness I thought it worked hard uh, and then right? Just getting them. Sometimes it's, it's a patient process for even the collegiate athletes. Eddie Reese said, what do you say is if you don't have patience, you become one, right? (laughs) And it's, it's, it is true. But the, it's just something that one of those topics, one of those values that has to be reinforced. Um, You have kids, you just You often try to don't tell them what they're good at. Tell them they work hard. You're a hard worker. Uh, And I I very much take the same approach with with the athletes because I mean, come on, we've all done the research, right? A good attitude and hardworking spirit usually is successful.
0: I love it. I love it. Brian, in in the last eight years, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift from West Coast collegiate dominance to now the East coast and the ACC particularly with some great rivalries building between Virginia and NC state, uh, particularly on the women's side, but the the men will, that rivalry will develop no doubt with, with the job that those coaches are doing down in Charlottesville uh, forged in Raleigh in a lot of ways uh, but talk to us about how you talk to your team about rivalries. Do they motivate you? Is it even a thing? I, I think younger coaches need to understand, like, you got to be careful with rivalries, but at the same time, it can it can help get your culture and, and your team headed in the right direction. What are some of the things that you guys are doing down in Raleigh to to either stoke that fire or is it something you don't pay attention to? You would, you would like to think that it's something that
1: – now, we, we, they all know, right? Um, it's, that's a, it's, it's, it's not really part of the process, you know, the, the, okay, we have a big meet. Uh, yes, we all know that. Um, it's the day to day that's more the focus, right? We don't, you know, don't do, really do a countdown to, ACCs, uh, we, we we're aware it will we'll bring it up in timing. I think what's important is it coming more from our leadership in the program. Uh, you take a fifth year, and after after our fall invite, uh, I can remember with the group I was talking with and and ha- having a, a senior just kind of mentioning to the whole group. All right, we get back from fall invite. Then we have finals week. And then we go a week of training. Then we go home. And, and it sheds some light on how fast this goes from here on out. Because it flies. you know, Because it's one thing right after another. And the, you know, you really want to cultivate the, the, the a culture. Culturally, you want that, you know, the rivalries to come from the leadership come from within the team. Um, you know, it, I would prefer to walk in behind my program and or behind the program, uh, right? Knowing that I'm in safe hands because of them versus leading them in to the natatorium, right? Uh, and so I think it's, it's, that is something that's really more of a conversation with athletes,
0: right? I love that and I, and I love how it's determined by the leadership on the team about how important certain things are and they get their cue from the coaching staff. Brian, you spent time in South Bend at Notre Dame and, and uh, we're, were close to Tim Welsh and the, the legendary Tim Welsh known widely as one of the great swimming educators in the history of our sport. What are some of the takeaways from your relationship with Coach Welsh that you had?
1: It's just another one of the, one, of the, just a kind soul. He's a very kind man. That that gave, just relentlessly gave uh, to his athletes. It's just uh, he was a professional uh, every day, and um, very. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's his X factor was Tim, <laughs> who he was. I really believe in the expression that you're, you're hired for who you are and fired for who you are or no, hired for what, you know, fired for who you are. And yeah, you don't, you don't stay at a place for 30 years if you're not an outstanding person. It's true. He was, he was a solid goal, solid goal person.
0: And when you have all of these great mentors and you're developing your own sense of your coaching philosophy, how did you take all of these different lessons and then weave them together to formulate your own? Well, the, the,
1: the moment at which I knew that I had, I, I guess I was lucky, right? And I always say you have a coaching family tree, and and uh, was was well, just working with Richard because he would teach me to have beliefs. Once again, the belief word, but my the like once if it's worth doing once, it's worth doing twice, right? Ah, uh, and doesn't necessarily mean you're right or wrong, but if you sincerely believe in it, it'll work. If it, and, and, you know, you have to sell it and, you know, but that was uh, validating, I guess. Um, you know, the, the, instinctually I had some things that, you know, I used early when I was younger and when I would, get around somebody was far more experienced. It was like, okay, so, all right, I'm not way off uh, at times. And there's times when you are way off. Uh, but it, it, it's, um, I mean, it's just the arcing things that you learn. It's the consistency, uh, your consistent message with your program, your consistent message with your athletes, your, it's, um, right? how you treat one another. Um, it's those the arcing things that really lay the you know the details they're kind of scenery, so to speak. if you know you have this arcing belief of uh, who you are, identifying who you are, can you hear that? <laughs>
0: That's okay, but hey, coach's corner, we let the dogs out. <laughs> That's a puppy. That's an eight week old puppy. Yeah, you were saying you just got that. Yeah. But
1: yeah so it's it's really more of that. And then, you know, I mean, Dan Ross, same thing. I mean, he was terrific. You know, he, I mean, once again, just another person that treats people well. Um, you know, just quietly a very good coach. Uh, but then looking at, you know where I am now, It was just it wasn't hard to come to state. It, like I identified that immediately in Braden and Mark. And when I interviewed, i I identified that immediate thing. And so you feel the safety right when you when you get around people that you know are doing it for the right reasons. Sure. sure. And they're highly motivated.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And coach, and when you think about, life as a swim coach, life as a professional in this business, whether it's college or at the club level, you have a family, you have two children. How, what are some things that you do to help balance your life between what you're doing professionally and what you're doing at home? You know, I know music is a big part of, of who you, are. you had the jazz band reference earlier. We can see the guitars in the background. You got some music posters up framed. Talk to us about how you balance professionally. Well, they- the, you, that that's
1: a great question. Uh, the, um, yeah, I think it's important to have hobbies. I think it's important to have things that you enjoy. I think it's important to exercise. I think it's important to, um, you know, work hard, but identify when to say when. Um, it's, um You know, I, my advice to anybody getting into this profession—it's just—it's, you know, the swimming, swim coaching, and I—you guys can relate to this immediately. It's like, oh, there's an open weekend; we got to book it, right? Uh, you know, one of the things I like about here—we don't book too many things on Sunday.
0: Yeah, coach, tell us a little bit about the guitars.
1: Well, it's a total curse. It's something I just decided to start doing when I was taking my kids to music lessons. And and the way I'm I'm fascinated with skill. And so I like, you know, there was a point in my life where I got into like identifying like card magic and like the the how you manipulate cards or juggling or um you know, I just, I'm fast, I, I studied kinesiology undergrad, and so, like, I I am fact I think any, but anything's learnable, I mean, some people will never dunk a basketball, but, like, I do think there's a level of, there was, it was a curse, because it's infinite, music is infinite, and the, immediately, I couldn't even come close to making the shapes, and no musical background to and and he told me most people who start guitar your age never follow
0: through and i knew i was in because i couldn't do it and i was just bored <laughs> that is really neat and now it's kind of blossomed because i see two guitars back Well there.
1: it's that's all show <laughs>
0: it, was, <laughs> it just occurs. <laughs> is uh, is it something maybe in a quiet moment when Brian Barnes needs to relax you grab Exactly your that's it it's
1: it's nice to have one
0: yeah when you need it it's it's relaxing that's awesome man um speaking of skill acquisition and learning and i loving to to watch the development of somebody learning tell us a great underwater kick set that coach barnes likes to use at practice
1: well it's it's usually incorporated every day so there's some level of um, there's some level of just, yeah, like the, the, I think it prepares you to go also. I think, uh, most of the time, if it's a 200 IM practice, there's a level of, um, you know, you have to understand that, like, what are you going to do on fly? Well, you're going to take a short number of strokes and you're going to kick underwater backstroke, same thing, breaststroke, pull downs. And any good coach, I believe, is going to say, "Hold your breath on free." I mean, it's a two hundred, and you're going. So, it's it, there's enough. That's another skill that's trainable. I don't think it's immediate. I think there's there's all kinds of pathways to getting them there. But lately, it's been for me, um, uh, and I, I've learned it from Braden, who's just just. I mean, it's like his underwater component is fascinating. And, but the, you know, he would say productive and force. My my word was effective. Um, but we mean the same thing, effective kicks. And then it's also the first two. So a lot of times I watch practice that he would do, like he he does a really good thing. And I think it's twofold. I think it's, you know, maybe the men will go, Uh, eight strokes four dolphin kicks one two three four eight strokes of free okay oh and all right show us 45 show us 4400 free now it's a standalone we're not repeating that but um well what do you get out of that well they they have to kick flutter kick like crazy right and so now what are you looking at you're looking at 200 freestylers and also you have to have effective underwaters, right? I noticed it in 2019 when I was at NCAAs and I watched the NC State Tuna like, um, They're covering a lot of ground with a very few amount of kicks. And so I talk a lot about just being effective. Um, I wouldn't recommend this to age group swimmers, but you know, there's you know, sometimes I put a stretch cord across the pool at halfway. And because you, and I did, I don't do it immediately. I didn't do it immediately. We got there. Right. Um, But it is, it's not so much about the assignment last night was we did 300, 200, 100. Once again, it's a recovery day, 300, 200, 100. uh, Twice round one with fins round one without fins. And it was on, and the interval was easy. Interval is easy. but it's I think a lot of it sets them up. they don't understand that I think you you could be faster than race pace underwater. You want to be at pace underwater. You want to develop the rhythm underwater, right? You know if you're a butterflyer and you want to find you want to go from underwater dolphin kick to butterfly kick, which are two different kicks, in my opinion. But you want to find that rhythm underwater. You don't necessarily need to be, you know, like you could coach, you can work with a very good underwater kicker and be like, all right, nine, two for 25s. Well, are we setting up to go 38, right? Or 3,700 fly or let's, let's bring that into pace, right? And make them effective. Count the kicks. Um, you know, the, I don't quite know my standard yet. I'm still kind of researching it, but I think if, you know, if you can get down there and 11 kicks or fewer um, as a male and then 15 or fewer as a female, you know, I think now you have effective kicks and then you can add speed to them at the appropriate time. But really the assignment last night wasn't speed. Now, I think I did ask for on the 300 go faster on the final 25 or on the uh, every fourth 25 on the 200 every other one just change gears slightly and then on the the 100 just call it strong round one with fins round two without and they all know how many kicks it takes to get there to to midway but then what you also what you're learning too is when to start your kick and that's just an argument for every coach in america right? I just, I watched the really good ones. If they have good posture off the wall, the, you know, the fastest ones start at the latest. Yeah. So I, you know what I'm talking about too. Some of them just push off the wall, kick. Wow. And then is it just, Hey, now, you said six kicks off the wall. Are you just doing that or are they effective? Right. Is what I read? uh total age group uh coaching would be you know are you counting your kicks or making your kicks count and it's true right because you can waste your energy like if you go if you're too fast underwater or too slow if you you know you can't shift gears mid lap i think you need to exit right at race speed and it's more about maintaining that speed than gaining any speed
0: That's right. the The person who slows down the least, right? Right. I I I appreciate that perspective, and and I think there's a lot to that. Ray
1: has so much more on this one. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, we the yeah he's he he would be a good conversation uh, to join right now because he would a lot of resistance, um, a lot of resistance. Most of most of the kick that we have done with the group that I'm in has been resistance kick. We do some aerobic kick and it's absolutely necessary for a long course, we'll generally do some aerobic kick, but most of the kick this year, it's probably been a change. Once again, it's just like making them count.
0: You know, um, I think kicking is a pushing exercise. Um, what and, does that and- look like, Brian? Is that on on buckets, on power towers, on cords? Shoot board, It's a big,
1: uh, kick with a brick, uh, brick board, you know, so that the resistance is in front of you versus pulling a shoe. Uh, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm suspicious of, it well, <laughs> <laughs> I saw enough in our fall invite because we hit that meat tired and we were good.
0: I, something you said there resonated with me and it, it makes me feel like you're not af- afraid to try new things and play around with your coaching. Talk, talk to our coaches about that.
1: Well, it's all over. So it's when it's around you, when, when you have Braden telling me what he's going to do with so-and-so and this, that, and the other, and when you have Mark and Dan and when it's all, when it's around you, you know, you just, you're just surrounded by ideas and yeah, you, you, I mean, it, it's. I was having a conversation uh, with another coach this morning, and I was talking about the like that was a bad call on my end, like I did not like, you know, like how I navigated coaching that person today. Now, did I get over it quickly? Absolutely. It's not uh, right. It's it, it's exactly the same approach you want your athletes to take, right? You can't live in any one mistake you just have to learn and learn and keep going. Right. That's the, that's the strength of this coaching staff. Right. Identify it, be humble enough, set your ego aside to say, okay, this ain't working. Right. Or I approach this differently, or I need to, I got an idea or, or, and take that risk. You know, it's, it's, you have to, you know, it, the expression, you can't do what you did last year and expect the same results. It's true. You know, It's, you know, goals are more about changes than anything. It's not necessarily, yeah. You can set these goals, and I want to do this, and I want to go this time, and I, fine. But that's it. But it's all words unless you identify, okay, the how, right? And and then that's where I think I think we shine as a coaching staff, and we, okay, a vast self evaluation is it's critical, right? There's no, there's no. There's no way to like shoot. I mean, like if you can identify, uh, you're not in control of everything, and you if you can, can as a coach, if you can control what you can, tr- can control, and you, you can identify that maybe maybe you don't know what you're doing sometimes, right? Uh, then. I think it's safe. I think it's, you know, you have to take risks. You have to have the courage to bring it up when you're not happy with your group. To bring it up, address it immediately. Uh, or you just run in place, right? Then uh, there's no progress. Nothing worse than running in place. But the, and the, you know, and and do it in a way that, I just find security in knowing that knowing this about myself and, 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 and being surrounded by similar characteristics in a coaching staff and like, okay, Hey, I'm a, I'm going to go for it. Like I, I watched one of our coaches. Yeah, but if we were talking about Dan earlier. He put, um, he put somebody from white group and black group last night. And I'm like, man, that is a really good idea. That was awesome. And it, it was in and she performed you know and it's just that's a risk and sold it to her and it was successful she walked out taller it was great yeah and 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 just you know now I'm and then I leave I'm like right I leave motivated because I see that and gobbled that set that whole set I'm like I'm gonna do that in the morning did it, did it this morning just because it, you know, mostly because I was inspired, inspired by the group's effort. You know, but it's all, yeah, I mean, there's you're gonna find your way on how how to do all of this. Uh, you know, but you just have to have your own beliefs. You have to have your own beliefs, and you have to you know identify, you know, that. Now, experience is helpful. It's true, right? It's fun where Mark and I and Braden, where we are in our careers. Where it's fun when we see things we've never seen before, and it happens here. I don't think we like. I. It's. Um, it's just is fun because now when you go down uncharted territory right? Wait a minute. I've never been here with an athlete. This is great. Now what coach, you know, and then you, then you just kind of have to reinvent things. Uh, Yeah. It's just, when it's, it's a lot easier to take those risks when you're surrounded by risk takers.
0: I love it. I love it. And, And what I'm hearing is consistency of belief. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Consistency of belief and coach Dan is going to have his work absolutely cut out for him with this episode and getting the <laughs> He's like, I'm all over the place, aren't I? <laughs> no, these are excellent, and and these little tidbits will play really well, I think, for for the majority of our coaching community. I wanna I want to leave you with this question, Brian, and that's, you know, the the sport is in uh, the the always evolving process of getting better. What has you most excited about our sport moving forward into 2022? Um, are you, I think
1: it's our youth. I think it's, uh, you know, I think we we, we saw a little bit of a changing of, uh, changing of the guards, so to speak, uh, this past Olympics, um, I cannot believe at times. Um, I mean, the, the the number of club programs, just fantastic club coaches out there. Uh, you know, and and what they're able to bring to our sport. Um, the I think I think it's the youth. I think it's just how. I think it's just going to be, I, I think we're going to be surprised that, you know, that's exactly probably my answer, right? It's, it's the, the element of, okay, who's next? Who's coming in, right? I mean, you look at it. I mean, how many world records does Michael still hold? He had a lot at one point, right? Now what he did is unprecedented, but I mean, it's crazy that, yeah, we're just getting faster, we're getting taller. We're getting stronger. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, the average height of the NCAA men is probably, I don't know, four inches taller than it was 30 years ago. It's crazy. You know, and you're just surrounded by
0: athletes uh, and believers, yeah. You, know. you know, I, I was watching, uh, we were at Juniors East and we were down in Greensboro and uh, Sunday night Watch the 200 fly. Uh, incredible. When you have a 13, 14-year-old boy going 142 in the 200 fly, now you start to think, okay, what's possible? If somebody does it, somebody <laughs> else is going to try to go catch him. And then somebody else is going to try to co catch him. Now, all of a sudden, we're the best 200 fly country in the world.
1: I just don't think our sport is old enough for us to have any idea what our limits are. I, right, I, I just, what are we, competitive swimming, wall-to-wall swimming, 130 years old, Arby I don't even know, but it's just, no, it's, it's it's, yeah, oh, it's I always get curious on like, okay, is one, sport, is one stroke catching back, uh, freestyle, like at what point is backstroke, maybe in 100 years, backstroke might be faster. Who
0: knows, right? It just depends. So exciting. So exciting to think that way and and certainly sheds light on on why you've been successful as a coach. Brian, we have kept you for an hour and 10 minutes. This has been an awesome episode. I know you want to get back to your team. We're we're so appreciative to have you on Coach's Corner and all the best to to the Wolfpack Nation and NC State Swimming this year. Uh, Congratulations on the early success and we look forward to watching your team the rest of the season. Awesome.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks
0: Thanks a lot, coach.
1: Yep.